Hey everybody, welcome to the 500 Greatest Films Podcast. My name is Hector Navarro. My co-host is sitting across from me, Mr. Keller Knobloch. Hi. Say hi, Keller. I'm Keller. <laughs> I usually say, say hi, Keller. I do, I do. And then you didn't, so it was a stare. It, I just threw this thing just a hundred way stare. off balance already because I'm so excited to get to introducing our guest that I completely messed up. I wanted to skip right over me. Skip Whatever, dude. Right, yeah. It's fine. It's fine. You know what? Who cares? Honestly, I wish we could have skipped over you to get to our guest. <laughs> me skipped too. Skipped over both of us. Our guest today <laughs> is a master storyteller. Oh, ouch. He has worked in animation. Uh, he's an animation director, a writer, and he's also our first returning guest from the version of this podcast that you're probably not familiar with that we did a year ago. Because we didn't release that episode. That's true. Yeah. And a year ago, we sat down with our friend here and watched Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. And, and he absolutely blew us away. And he and he, we talked about it at length, and it was enlightening. And we are finally so happy to have him back. Mr. Eric Calderon is here. Hey, how are you? Oh man, that was so, too big an intro. Now I'm intimidated. This, not big enough. If you ask this me. is how I see you, Eric. <laughs> this is how I see you. But um, but you are a director. You're a writer. Mostly a producer. But mostly yeah. a producer, mm-hmm. and you are a fantastic producer. And I love discussing producing with you because I feel like. Most people don't know what that job entails. Right. Most, you know, and there's so much creativity involved in that. A lot mm-hmm. of people think a producer is the money guy. Mm-mm. You know, sometimes on a movie set, sometimes. Right. Yeah. Um, but um, so so happy to have you here. And today we're discussing a movie called. Wait, we need to talk about Crouching Tiger for a second. Okay, let's just <laughs> okay. real quick. Let's dive into. Can it a we little just? Bit. You wanted to top line it a little bit because we did sort of promise our loyal. Well, also the fact <laughs> our that loyal guy. We yeah. hadn't seen it again since you That's told true. us everything about it. That's oh. true. So um, remember, so, our our perspective is a year ago. We saw the film, not even with you, mm-hmm, right? We saw mm-hmm. we watched it separately, yeah. and then you showed up and then recorded this thing with us. So we showed up and we were like, "Wow, we just saw Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. This, this is, is a what, great martial arts is, movie." Yeah, we yeah. were like, "This is what we think about it," and you're like, mm. "Actually." This is what it is. And we were like, oh. So having rewatched the film sort of with your knowledge and um, insight in history and context, mm. which is the most important thing, I mm. feel like it kind of made it a different experience. It so, really did. Mm. Can you just, just sort of, if you can, you know, we can make it brief. I don't want to get too much yeah, yeah. but just like, like where you're at with that film, why it matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess the the top line of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is that on its surface, it does look like a martial arts movie, and it has all the tropes and all the structures of a typical period piece from China. But I think what elevates it to the Oscar level, and I think why I get noticed by all these critics, is that uh, there's so much more going underneath. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically, from my point of view, just what I'm sensitive to is the the entire diatribe of all the various forms of Buddhism, mm. very accurately represented by each character. Mm. And how all those arcs together equal literally, you know, a, a yin yang symbol going down to the name. You know, the crouching tiger and the hidden dragon mm-hmm. is actually the yin yang symbol. And every character there is kind of a reflection or a repetition of the other characters as they spin around each other in this endless, hopeless, romantic struggle. Yeah, so we're going to delete that folks, other episode that we yeah. did. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to go ahead and delete folks, that. you better strap in because that's what you're in for today. <laughs> exactly. And if you thought that Eric Calderon couldn't do what he just did with the movie we're talking about today, you're wrong. Sideways by Alexander Payne, number 494. 494? So, that's, that seems a little low on the well, list. It's yeah. the list of 500. And they're not they're in, the, in the order of what's best to worst or just 500? Not necessarily. Uh, so, Keller? Uh, um, 10,000 plus readers, critics... Uh, movie people mm-hmm. all made a list of their top 10 movies 
mm-hmm. and then that like averaging however that all came out this yeah. is what the list became oh i see so it's not they're not literally ranking you know 494 is better than 495 it's, it's just a pile than, of movies a yeah, pile exactly. of movies but like the most people put the okay. Godfather is number one. Yeah. Oh, so it is so, kind of a populist pile of yeah. Movies. Yeah. Okay. That's got the it. Sort of aggregate, you know, uh, mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. of the which. And again, you cannot help but look at Keller and I uh, of the movies we've seen so far. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Just it's it's on another level. It's yeah. far and away really, the best one we've it's seen. It's far and away the best so one. So it's going to be every every movie we talk about. Far and away is not on this list, no. by the way. Ron Howard's <laughs> Far and Away does not make it onto the list. But like every movie we've talked about <laughs> since Crouching Tiger, we're like according to this list. In you know, in so many ways, people mm. are saying that whatever for whatever reason, these films are like better than Crouching Tiger, or mm-hmm. like more impactful mm-hmm. or more mm-hmm. important, mm-hmm. whatever. So it's tough. It's been a tough film since to Crouching well, Tiger. I, we've seen Superman Returns ouch. and Jailhouse Rock, wow. and now Sideways. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I will say in, in terms of the transition for you, I think mm-hmm. one of the reasons that Crouching Tiger is up there in such a, a reverent level is mm-hmm. that it really is kind of a temple of a movie. And I, I say that because you can visit it, you can go to this place, and everyone already acknowledges it as something big. So you, once you're in that space, you're like, yeah. ooh, I have to love this movie. And it's so pretty and it's so beautiful. It's easy to kind of walk to that movie, mm-hmm. sit in front of it and say, oh, God, this is a great movie. That's mm-hmm. a great way but to put it. actually, if you look at Sideways, and I cannot understand why it's lower on the list, this is a movie about taste. Yeah. And as a movie about taste, it's much more subtle. Mm-hmm. And so it's not going to be easy to make those it's big... It's super accessible it's to anybody. It's not super accessible because no, it's, it's, it's an expert's film. Mm-hmm. You know, I and I think that's even... why it's it's a, it's like yeah. a wine taster thing. Not everyone's a wine drinker. Exactly. It's a wine drinker's film. It's would a writer's say, film. It's a writer's film, yeah. Would you say this is Alexander Payne's, uh, as a director, like his most mainstream or most accessible movie? No. I feel like, what's his most accessible movie? A- election? He also did... Um, the Descendants, most popular one, the Descendants right? with George Clooney about him like owning sure. land in Hawaii. That right. was, I'm like that was a that was a pretty accessible. Yeah, I enjoyed you know. that one. Yeah. I was actually working at MTV when Election came out, Ooh. so oh, that, really? that was a big deal because MTV is one of their first films. I mean, yeah. they, they did that football movie, yeah, and you know which is what everyone expected, and they did and Election, which was a, a really big intelligent surprise didn't they for do the brand. Joe's apartment. Too, they did Joe's apartment. Yeah, I was sitting right next to John Payson when he was making that movie. Wow. Yeah, I am that old. That's awesome. <laughs> right. That's crazy. Yeah. But now um, I need a drink, so now we have to actually Oh, yeah, we do have some peanut noir. Mm-hmm. We do. We have peanut noir, and I feel guilty. You I hear that clinkety all, clink? I have the only wine glass. That's okay. We only have one. We only have store. one no wine apartment. glass. <laughs> this is a 2016 Line 39 mm-hmm. peanut noir. So can I start with this? From California. Can I start with this? I would like you guys to drink this, and after watching that movie, let's talk about how it tastes. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> You know what? I didn't smell it. The movie said to smell it. There we go. Yeah, let's make a lot of weird, I'm gross putting, noises. Yeah. I'm putting my nose in this. Okay, yeah. It's got. It's like it came from delicate grapes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's very thin, thin skin. Yes, thin skin. Very thin skin. A theme we'll talk about later. Oh, very, very temperamental. Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. I'm I, getting I a lot a, of uh, grape. <laughs> Oki, I have a. I have a confession that it shouldn't surprise anybody. I Pumped have the it. worst taste. Ah, interesting. I have Garbage no rat. palate. Hmm. I'm, you, you've seen the movie Ratatouille? Mm-hmm. I'm Remy's brother. Oh, right. You garbage. garbage. He'll and eat Remy, anything and be like, this is good. Remy comes <laughs> over and he's like, but now add a strawberry. And I'm like, yeah, that is uh-huh. good. But also I can mm. just eat straight garbage. Mm. Um, I'm not getting it. <laughs> this is less work. It. Right, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I have, I'm so terrible at taste and at wine. And, 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 and I connect the wine tasting world mm-hmm. from being an outsider looking mm-hmm. at it mm-hmm. sometimes to the art critique world yeah and it's sometimes a tough pill for me to swallow it's, it's a similar pretension 
it can be. It mm-hmm. comes across as pretentious to mm-hmm. me. I know that even in the well, movie, a lot of the we, time it is pretentious. It is. It can be, but I know that it's 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 me saying like I do not have that palette, and mm-hmm. like Virginia Madsen's character is like, mm-hmm. oh, I realize that I actually have a very sensitive palette, mm-hmm. and when whenever I hear people talk about those kinds of details in wine or food or even art, I'm like, ah, I, I'm, I don't see But it. I will I say to you, I don't think you should beat yourself up for that because okay. I do think that palate comes from age and palate comes from experience mm. and palate takes time. So, you know, I'm it so could be... Own. I'm so glad you're here, Eric. I'm so glad we're <laughs> It could about be that, movie. you know, I mean, as we started to talk about the movie, that, you know, you've only experienced a few certain tastes. True. And you have yet to go, oh, that is what tastes really terrible. That is a subtle taste. This is a sublime taste. Mm-hmm. And as you start to add those up, then your, your, your emotional language to describe those things and your emotional language to experience things gets more subtle. More subtle. Right. Sophisticated. I, I thought you were going to say sophisticated. But no, subtle, no, like subtle. Sophisticated. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we have yeah. another thing that we do here on this podcast, Eric. Oh, we like yes. to have Keller Sorry, we were getting into it already. this this little blurb, this little, this little uh, sort of a summary thing that is from this magazine that compiled mm-hmm. this list, Empire yep. Magazine from 2008. Uh-huh. But because Empire is a British magazine, we, of course, have Keller read it in a British <laughs> accent. So, Keller, <laughs> yes. please take I it away. I think it's please. more like Hector makes Keller read it in a yes. British yeah. accent. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Right, Here we take go. out the gun that you hold in my head. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Put that away. All right. Thank you, Keller. <laughs> thank you for putting it away. <laughs> 494 Sideways. 2004, director Alexander Payne. Wine, women, and a right old ding-dong are the driving forces behind this excellent midlife crisis road movie. So impactful it put millions off Merlot forever. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much. Good, delightful. You also almost ruined, ruined Remy's restaurant in the movie, didn't you? And Ratatouille, because that, that's pretty much the guy who's the art critic, or the uh, food critic. Oh, yes. Anton. E- ego? Ego. Anton Ego. That's an Anton Ego. I haven't yeah. quite... I thought it was when Keller was... Do, every, anytime <laughs> Keller does that voice, yeah. I have confusedly mistaken it for like a a, uh, a David Attenborough. You, it's either Richard oh, or David. Right. Sure, sure. David, David Attenborough sure. is the documentarian. Richard sure. is the actor and director who did Gandhi. Who spares well. no expense. Oh, right, 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 right. But, right. Every, but, no, but now hit us with a little David Attenborough, because you do a good David Attenborough. Read this. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be good. <clears throat> Gun to head. Wine, women, and a right old... I can't do it. I'm <laughs> that's, double door that's, now. That's David. That's, that's, the, that's yeah. the nature documentary. Yeah, that's right? exactly that's what, what I want. That's what I wanted. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you very much for reading that. It's more Richard Harris Dumbledore. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Harry, <laughs> quit looking in that mirror, you idiot. Go back to bed. Ah, oh, yes, the mirror, Arison. Men have withered away in front of it. Yeah, I love that voice. That's so good. Oh, boy. Look at these dead 11-year-olds' bones in front of this mirror. <laughs> oh, boy. So let's get into talking about Sideways. Hmm. Uh, just real quick, my history with the film is I don't think I've ever seen the whole thing all the way through. I remember seeing pieces of it. You know, this thing played on HBO. In mm-hmm. fact, that's how we watch it. It's on like the HBO Go app, whatever. Mm-hmm. Came out in 2004. How old was I in 2004? I was like 16, wow. a year away from high school graduation. Wow. I was 13 years old. That's oh where God. I was. So, so this was a movie that I was not the target demographic when you this film came out. This is my favorite movie when it came out. <laughs> 13 yeah, years can. old. Yeah. I rolled yeah. into seventh grade like, yeah. guys. <laughs> Did you see Sideways? Yeah. So much better than Pokemon. <laughs> exactly. And then you got punched in the nose and you were like, yes, yeah. just like Sideways. <laughs> I love it. And you wore that thing. Um, but no, it's, it's, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to put this in the category on the, uh, of like movies on this list 
I've wanted to do this and watch movies on all 500 of these movies, which is going to take 10 years to do mm-hmm. because I just, I'm looking for movies that I will love yeah. and that's going to change over time. And that's changed from when I was young and that's how life works. But this is going to be a movie I'm going to put in the category of, I will not love this, but man, I'm, boy, oh boy, am I glad that I watched it. And it yeah. was very, very good. Mm-hmm. But I feel like maybe it's because <clears throat> where I'm in my life right now, it's not something that I'm going to buy on Blu-ray, watch over and over I'm again. not the target. Not the target, but... I can I, appreciate it. B- the age I am now, boy, man, uh, I'm glad I watched it now versus like when it came out. And I was mm. 16 or something. Mm. Like I'm, I was an idiot then. Yeah, I was getting a bunch of your friends mm-hmm. in mm. the theater. Yeah, <laughs> a couple of beers under the under the seat. Exactly. I know, right? right yeah, yeah. <laughs> talking about wine. You're yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, man, I love um, old Milwaukee. <laughs> but uh, but Eric, why did you want to? I, I kind of sent you a list of films. And how come Sideways sprung up at you? Well, it's interesting because when I first saw it, I'm, you know, I'm quite a bit older than you guys. So I saw it when yeah, I was about older. 31, 32. So I'm 46 now. Wow. So I saw it at a time when I didn't understand what a midlife crisis was. <laughs> and I really didn't. I was, I was in the prime of my adult you know, early life. So mm-hmm. watching it now as a 46-year-old is a totally different experience. And I think what I underestimated about the film from watching it last time to now is the complexity of the story and how a lot of the the side turns and the subplots, whatever, mm-hmm. were actually meaningful mm-hmm. to the overall tapestry of the master idea, which is taste involves a lot of things to make it work. And Experience. it's one of these things. That's right. That's it's, right. It's one of these things that like the movie is so good at mm-hmm. seeming simple. Mm-hmm. It seems as if nothing's happening. It seems as if it's this slice of life, which it is, mm-hmm. but it, it, mm-hmm. it, 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 because it's so good at, a, it just makes it look easy. Mm-hmm. Well, I the think, script makes it look easy. The directing makes it look easy. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, I will say from like a script and writing point of view, um, there's a specificity to every mm-hmm. scene that adds up to a very specific taste. Mm-hmm. And I think that is part of the metaphor of it. You know, when you hear Paul Giamatti describing all these very subtle taste. Now, these are like moments, and what the film does is it's aggregating these moments and then asking you to taste it. Mm-hmm. You know, so in the times when I was bored, I was like, no, no, they're accumulating the recipe. And when you get to a point, you're like, oh, this is what the movie tastes like. Mm-hmm. Then you really let every new moment go. Oh, it's fine, it's fine. And you know, even the the name the itself. Yeah, the asparagus. What's the asparagus <laughs> shot? The asparagus in it. Right. <laughs> and even the fact that there's there's a little bit of goofiness and silliness, mm-hmm. you, you know, if you were to put it in a wine metaphor, those are the brighty, fruity mm-hmm. kind of things. But then the deeper moments, the, that's like, oh, that's the core of the taste of why you even go for that flavor. Eric, what would you say the, the flavor of this film is? Uh, well, I mean, it's really hard. I mean, I think the issue is that Anyone who speaks the language of taste has a very, very sophisticated set of words they use to describe. So what we're going to do to describe taste is going to sound, you know, sophomoric. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, I do think it has a general bittersweet smell to it, you know. Yeah. So I think what they're trying to do is, is, you know, paint this main character as someone who's, you know, falling off, who's losing hope, who's, you know, kind of at the end of his rope in a sense. And then rediscovering that that is the point in time of which he becomes his ultimate self, oh. you know, because uh, exactly like the, the grape speech we talked about, yeah. you know, he has, he is a certain kind of grape who's been mistreated. He's gone through bad things, but he has so much potential. You know, if only someone would care for him in the perfect way mm-hmm. with the perfect conditions, he knows he could be genius. Mm-hmm. So that is his fatal flaw. And also that is his like superhero power. Yeah. You know, cause under the right conditions that, that person is, incredibly intelligent, 
you know, in, incredibly charismatic, incredibly and, and, interesting, but it's and, only in this very one yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah. It's very and specific. And, the, and he's, he's balanced. So, yeah, yeah, he's in that balanced. one moment. In that That's one right. moment, him at his full potential is somebody mm-hmm. who doesn't get a book published and he's mm-hmm. okay with it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what I really liked about the end when of this film. When he gets there. When he gets, when we get to the end of the movie, is Paul Giamatti's character like, has essentially, according to his own standards of success, failed. And mm-hmm. but peaked. That's right, right. Already peaked in the past. But at the end, when mm-hmm. he gets that call and he's not going to get published, it's the idea that like Virginia Madsen's character calls and just kind of gives him a very honest, truthful, and nice voicemail that he's like, I think that he realizes this is what's important in my life, not this book that is not going to go through. And, and I can see the shortcomings in that project and I'm just going to drive to Solvang and knock on her door. And, you know, that's, I close. think he, becomes, I, I, he I th- becomes more balanced. I think you're really close. I think he doesn't change that much. Mm-hmm. I think the issue is he finally found a person who witnesses him and is okay with his decline, mm-hmm. you know, cause everyone else is yeah. not okay with that. Mm-hmm. You know, so when Virginia Madison describes or Virginia Madison mm-hmm. describes the peaking of a wine and the slow descent. She and loves that moment. So fucking good. Yeah, yeah, like that, and that's when he, you, you realize that this character finally found someone who understands his who, who could his late him. midlife crisis. Yeah. Right, yeah. Who can right. accept him for him? Not even Thomas Hayden Church couldn't accept him. Mm-hmm. He's always pushing him. Mm-hmm. That's right. Everybody is. When's your book done? How's your yeah. book doing? That's right. Yeah. That's right. She's and even says Virginia just, Madsen does ask that question, but yeah. then. But look at her review of the book at the end. She was mm-hmm. like, yeah. it's fine that no one reads it. You mm-hmm. know, I read it. Mm-hmm. I see it. I want to know how this thing ends. And that's when you're like, he goes up there because that's how his life is going to go. He got the opinion yeah. of the person he cares about. That's right. It only, it only, that book was only meant for one person to read, the person mm-hmm. who would eventually love him. Oh. Yeah. Wow. What happens? Uh, <laughs> this might be a dumb question. It's pretty sophomore. I'm what happens? What happens after sideways? Is there a sideways too? No, what let's hear your <laughs> sideways. This is a, this is a segment Look. on our podcast. <laughs> it's a, it's civil war. The sequel. It's civil war. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Thomas, so Thomas Church, comes back. Yeah, and he says like, "I hate you." Yeah. I take it down. And you know, we need we need wine registration. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Gotta and have it registered <laughs> by the government. Yeah. Paul's like, that's ridiculous. And then T'Challa shows up. That's right. Like, that's right. That's, yeah. a great that's where you should grow wine. To, 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 <laughs> the perfect conditions of Wakanda. So it's, I bet it's amazing. I bet they have the best wine. Yeah. I would yeah. watch Sideways Civil War. Every I, I don't know if there is a. I mean, it's dumb because we've been kind of jokingly coming up with potential sequels for whatever movie we're talking about. Like, well, if mm-hmm. there were a part two, what would it be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easy to do that stuff with Superman Returns. It was even easy mm-hmm. to do that with Jailhouse Rock. Like, mm-hmm. oh, here's what would be Jailhouse Rock 2. Mm-hmm. He goes back to jail or whatever. But I'm like, this is the type of movie that's like, no, of course not. That's Paul Giamatti is, is married. Well, Thomas if, Hayden Church is divorced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think the Ooh, problem... You just inverse it? Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, the issue is that the, the theme of Sideways, I, th- I think... Mm-hmm. Is uh, a metaphor for midlife crisis. So what happens? Oh, yeah. in, you know, early twenties and thirties and early forties is you you ascend. You know, you ascend mm-hmm. in your career, you ascend in your intelligence, you ascend in your experience in the world. But somewhere around forty five to about sixty five, that's when you no longer ascend, but you're not yet declining. Mm-hmm. So this is when you've reached the peak of all your capacities, and you have to cruise along this plateau and find out how to ride that properly. You know, and if you try to go back in time. It's not going to work. It's not going to work, you know, and that's very much like a Thomas Hayden character. But if you try yeah. to do a sequel to this, you need to tell a different story. It you would, need to tell the story of decline. decline. Yeah. yeah. And that's not Retirement. a fun... I mean, that's that's closer to about... But Alexander about, Payne could do that movie. He did. <laughs> it's, it's Nebraska. Well, like, or it's, right? or it's it about Schmidt. Nebraska. It's about Dang, Schmidt. It's about Schmidt. I haven't seen yeah. that one. That's yeah. a good one. It I is haven't one, seen yeah. that one yet either. It's a movie about decline. It's a movie about decline. Interesting. Is this movie a metaphor only for male midlife crisis, or do you think it can apply to men and women's experiences are they the same 
this this idea of a midlife crisis? You know, or? I've thought about this a lot, yeah. and this is probably just because I, I hang out with a lot of Japanese people. Is they have this thing called um, Yakudoshi. Yakudoshi means the worst year ever. And wow. Yakudoshi is actually um, prefaced by Maitoshi, which is the year before the worst. And then afterwards, as Atodoshi was the year after the war. So it's a three-year cycle where you dip down, hit the bottom, come back up again. Mm-hmm. So what the Japanese say is that for men, it happens 41, 42, 43. Mm-hmm. And for women, it happens 31, 32, 33. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's it's a little a, bit of a sexist idea. But I, yeah, I, I, yeah mm-hmm. it's got to be a cultural thing, a societal thing. It's a cultural societal that, thing. That women might have those kinds of feelings when they get to certain numbers where society would say, you got to be married, you got to have a kid, yes, what are you doing? Exactly. As where exactly. a guy can continue to sort of coast until you're in your 40s or whatever. That's right. Interesting. That's right, yeah. So so, th- so sideways might be just a, because it's, it, it's definitely from a male perspective. Yes. yes. And our female characters, they're, they're both played very well. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I guess they're both made to seem independent, but they do only service the male characters. But, this, but Paul Giamatti's story... Like we see Sandra O oh being a mom, yeah. But but really, she's in this story. She's just the sort of fling for Thomas Hayden Church, yeah. and then we see her react to, which is an amazing scene. I where loved she that. Beats the shit out of Thomas Hayden Church, but but it definitely feels like it's just from Paul's from that character's perspective. Yeah. And it's you know we're not getting the we're not getting Virginia Madsen's whole deal. But she's you know, very decently developed. Yeah. She's yeah. actually very decently developed. Yes. So what they do is they do a parallel track mm-hmm. where they have her coming out of a divorce. They have her also being a wine expert. Mm-hmm. But what she is doing, which is really different, is she is moving forward in her life. Yeah, getting a master's. That's right, getting and a master's the end, into she's like, horticulture. I'm not going to work at that restaurant anymore, probably. That's so right. So know. she's on yeah. the ascend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, but also, you know, she is the, the the nature spirit, the mother spirit. She's like literally the winery upon which this character needs to grow. Mm-hmm. You know, because this character without care would descend into madness. But it's yeah. only through the love of this person who can witness who he is who says, "No, you're the sixty-one bottle." Mm-hmm. You know, in a styrofoam cup, in a styrofoam cup ring. with a burger underneath you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I'll tell you what. I think that was a great writer's moment because it was. Part of me was going, "Oh, he's going to bring the sixty-one back up there too." Mm-hmm. That's but what no, I thought. He hit rock bottom, and they made him wait. You know, and yeah. I think that's great. Is you know, this whole theme of waiting for wine to be right, for the moment to hit, is just yes. beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I like the idea that. The audience is like, now, now, now. Nope. Only when nature tells you it's ready. And it still shows him loving that bottle of wine. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he loved the bottom wine. And what was she doing the whole time? She was reading his book. Yeah. Which is great. And which that was had necessary. to happen. It's so good that it he waited. It had to happen. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Because she has to know who he is. And you got it from the voicemail that she's like, now I know what you've gone through and how you've been through. So he's going to go up there with no judgments. Yeah. Because she finally has witnessed his entire life. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. She's like, it was so sad. Did you really go through all that? Yeah. And I thought that was a really... Beautiful. It was a really beautiful story moment where... It gives you so much backstory so fast. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's Mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. So can can we talk a little trash about this movie? Please. Yeah. Yeah. So... In my second time watching this, I'm, and you guys this were kind of the second time, you've only ever second seen time this? seeing it. Yeah. Oh, really? Sorry. Good God! What? Halfway oh through God. it, you were just like, you told us an amazing thing, and we both had just started talking. You're like, actually, you need to rewind it and listen yeah. to the rest of and this. We were, like, we were like, okay, Wait, my mind was blown it's, just now. It's, it's going to keep yeah. going. It's well, just the whole this, theme of the film was in the middle. I just yeah. love talking yeah, yeah, about right. movies with you, Eric, because you're so because you're so <laughs> good at it. So nice to me. It's true. I mean, it's true. Thank you. And I, I bet the feedback we're going to get on this episode episode is like, dang. You guys got to step it up. Eric is the real exactly. deal. Like, we got to... No, oh, no. boy. But um, yeah. but please, proceed to talk trash about a movie you've seen only twice. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Well, I will... I mean, the brilliance in characters like Paul Giamatti and the brilliance in his performance and then the subtlety of the script and the patience of the film overall yeah. to do all these second scenes. It was great. 
I was really, really disappointed with two things this time. Mm. One is the Thomas Hayden Church character, mm. yeah, in terms of actual acting and and characterization. Now that's and then two was we, the um, you guys are kind of like this guy sucks. Well, yeah, and we talked about it while we were watching it. Is and it, you said that, that he Thomas was, Hayden he Church was Oscar nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Sideways. Interesting, which I think was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think that he, I think that it like, seemed like he was playing kind of off character the whole time. I don't know. I haven't figured out. Thomas I haven't really Church. seen him in anything other than was, Sandman, and, and he was in Wings. Right? Wasn't mm. he on the sitcom oh, Wings? Yeah, that's what I know him from growing up as a kid. Oh my god! I have, yeah. I have, I have seen Paul Giamatti in all manner of roles, and I feel like this one was the most perfect for his yes. acting ability and his persona, his right. his, his presence, everything. This mm-hmm. is like perfect for him. We talked yeah. about the sadness in his face and yeah. his voice, the and subtlety mm-hmm. in his subtlety. face. Oh, it's so it's good! Like when he's smiling, so looking pain. at his ex-wife, but uh, it's oh. his eyes are yeah. a completely different emotion yeah. than what his mouth. What was is the doing. director's name again? It's um, Alexander Payne. Alexander Payne. Yeah. We now, what I think he is—he's an actor's director. You know, I think he really yeah. is there, getting performances. He's getting like incredible moments, and you know, the stage play of this is fantastic. Mm-hmm. What I really don't like is I thought the cinematography was really inconsistent. Really? Yeah, there yeah were I mean, some good shots, and there were some terrible ideas, yeah. like that panel within panel transition you montage. That same, same year as Incredible Hulk. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, I think that to be fair to to Ang Lee, who directed Hulk, mm-hmm. that came out in two thousand three. Sorry, I'm so sorry for it's, saying that. It's different than the Edward Norton. One. That one came out in 2003, a year before uh, uh, Sideways was in I 04. hope Alexander yeah. Payne saw that and was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> no, Hell me, yes, that's I, what we need. I turned to Keller and we were like, you know, maybe there's a new filter that came out that yeah. year. And Adobe <laughs> yeah. was like really pushing it. And they're like, guys, ah, just on the floor of you NAB, right. uh, <laughs> right. picture in picture now renders one third the speed. Oh, boy. A little what? awkward. Yeah, a little, <laughs> a little awkward. awkward. And it I was, thought some of the... And then they didn't do it ever again. They didn't. Yeah. So yeah and then there was that long slow transition where Paul Giamatti is actually leaving the voicemail for Virginia Madsen mm-hmm. and there was a close-up phone shot they cross-dissolved to a, a medium shot there was a lot of weird booth. cross-dissolves and I was mm-hmm. like why are you breaking your film language mm-hmm. this late in the movie mm-hmm. to show off a moment that would have been much better played on a single 50 with a close-up and just let it sit in its awkwardness yeah you know why did you want to put flashy beautiful thing it's not a beautiful moment it's a very sad yeah very revealing moment and the whole movie is not full of these that should have just been a close-up on his day that's face. right yeah, yeah that's right the Paul Giamatti let him work uh-huh. exactly because uh-huh. he's going to put in the work it's yeah. going to be amazing yeah yeah, um, yeah yeah the movie's not about dick directorial flourishes it's not about these yeah. beautiful it shots. is about dicks <laughs> <laughs> I heard dick too yeah I, I heard dick too, too. direct direct dicks there, yeah there's there's a dick in the movie though I mean oh, that yeah. was, it, it is running at you I too. forgot there was a dick in the movie there yeah. are two dicks in a car throughout the movie, but then there's a dick at the end running at the car. That's right. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I like that something. right there. It's gotta mean there's something. There's a few dicks. Yeah, it has to, right? Yeah, yeah. That dick means something. something. <laughs> Eric, that's <laughs> why you're here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what does uh, the dick so mean? The, the bottle metaphor with yes. the. Yeah, mm, please solve that for us. <laughs> but like, yeah, the, that, and that I think that, that lends to somebody who might not have that sophisticated and subtle taste, especially mm. when it comes to film, such mm-hmm. as myself, mm-hmm. would pass over in this movie is that it seems so normal. It seems so like regular life. And well, that's I, I, you know, I will say, it's yeah, not, I mean, you know, it's funny when I think about this film, I think about the same kind of annoying, um, super love you have for a project with like Rick and Morty, right? Mm-hmm. Some people talk yeah. about Rick and Morty, they become super oh, annoying because it, it's, it's landing on all their pistons at the same time. Okay. Now, what this movie is doing so successfully is it's really doubling down and tripling down on all its metaphors and everything that mm-hmm. it's easy to go, yeah, I get it, I get it, you don't get it, fuck off. You know, because it's like, it's pace, 
and it's waiting. So, you know, you can use all the wine metaphors. Like, you have to sip the scene slowly. Mm-hmm. There's nothing super There's exciting There's a built-in pretension with this movie. Yeah, it that's comes right. just even mm-hmm. with the movie cover. And the I really, Yeah, and I really feel like that's why it's a critic's film. Yeah. And it's a wine drinker's film, and it's an expertise film. But also, it is kind of all over the place. Not in it a is. bad way, but, yeah, like, yeah. you're going to go, there's your $200 bottle of wine. And then we get down to the two-buck chuck towards the end. Yeah, yeah, and that's so right. And so you see everything. How much, like... If this movie was a bottle of wine, how much would it cost? It's mm. a great That's question. That's a good Kevin. question. That's a really nice <laughs> question. Hmm. What shelf is this on? Well, you know, here's the here's is the funny thing up? that I understand about wine, which is, you know, wine is the most sub- subjective product on the marketplace. So oh, you can have two yeah. bottles of things and make a bunch of reasons for why one thing is $10,000 and one thing is $5. So it quite literally is how much value you put into the idea is mm. how much this film is worth. Mm. You know, so yeah. if you're really like, I need this movie because I love wine, it's whatever. This is like a precious movie yeah. that you don't want to show your friends unless they really get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it can be, you can be that much of a dick about it. Or you can just go like, you know what, it's not for me. And like, you know, 20, 30 minutes in or 10 minutes in, you might be like, this is boring. Sure. This is plain. It's not moving anywhere. It's depressing. And it's depressing. And in the, in the second, third, you know, like the two-thirds moment, I'm like, this movie's still going on. Yeah. They've made all their points. We're just waiting for this to close up. Yeah. yeah. It's very true. So I put it at around probably like thirty nine ninety nine, but then you go buy the bottle and you're like, oh, this is different because it is so specific. <laughs> exactly. But it's not bottom tier. It's like it's like a $40 bottle of wine. <laughs> But and that's expensive a, to you? Yeah, that's expensive to me. So that's, <laughs> yes, that's where I'm at. That's the great perspective, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, I've... I've these are true, ten like, lines. I'm not these characters. You're yet. not these characters. <laughs> Eric, those are $10 bottle of wine. That's right. right <laughs> $10. Well, I mean, uh, I, not that I'm... Yeah. I'm not, you know, we I'm, have not, a Merlot as I'm well not any kind of, like, high trash. roller, but, you know, but I, you know, when I go to these MIPCOMs, these MIPTV festivals, mm-hmm. they take place in Cannes. You know, wow. they, you know, you're there with all these buyers and sellers, and you know they've got corporate cards, and there's someone looking at a wine bottle less than I'm going. That's a thousand dollars. Yeah, that's seven hundred fifty dollars, and they're all deciding like which company's going to pay for it. And I'm sipping this wine, going, "This is a thousand dollar bottle of wine. That's nuts." You know, and it's like seven people have one glass and they're done, and they're like, "Should we add another one?" You know, so just the idea that stresses me out. It yeah. stresses me that out stresses too. Me you know, I would, I would. Not be able, I'd be like, guys, I'm still working on this one. Yeah, this is yeah, yeah. But again, it's it's. And here's the interesting thing about this: wine, I think, is context. Mm-hmm. I think wine is um, location, and you know, wine is priced with that in mind. That you know, if you're in that kind of place, mm-hmm. you know, you're sitting on the river in Cannes for a dinner next to Steven Spielberg. Next to Steven Spielberg, you know, <laughs> that bottle of wine is going to cost fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah. It may taste the same as yeah. the stuff you just bought at Ralph's the other day for 40 mm-hmm. but they've got you on context. Yeah. yeah. So you actually <laughs> believe it's okay. <laughs> Is there an element of uh, that, what you just described, happening to this film? Is there an element of like when it hit, when it came out, 2004, this context, like you said, it's a critic's film. And then maybe people aren't going to look at it I don't even think that favorably? movie, like this movie is a fairly timeless movie other than the flip phones yeah. and the way they yeah. dress ridiculously yeah, you know, is where it hits the that. person. I'll give you that. Yeah, I was thinking about that. This film might, for me, be mm-hmm. better if it was 1978. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. because then it feels like... Mm. I can watch a movie from 1978 and you're not thinking about the 70s the entire yeah, time. That right. movie I was thinking about, this guy's baggy bowling shirts. Yeah, yeah me too. Me too. It's really distracting yeah. to me. Yeah. 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 So I wonder what it's going to be like if someone who turns 45 in you know, 2030 mm-hmm. watches this and they're not distracted by the things that we kind of think are lame. Sure. I mean, like, sure. you know, Thomas's haircut, you know, yeah. the baggy jeans, you know, just all the things. It's like, ugh, yeah. it, made, it made me go, ugh, Come this on, guy's you got to bring gross. up Sandra O's jacket. Don't. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh yeah, please tell us about this. Goodness gracious, you really tried to. The truth is, I had the same bike and the same jacket. You rolled up in both. Yeah. <laughs> You're wearing yeah, it. Right now, it's, right I've been cosplaying that Sandro character since 2004. I thought it would oh, be man. a bigger hit than what it was. You fucking but. make it work. Right? I tell you what I said. I'm really curious about how this movie is going to age. I think that um, I think like you're describing, Eric, it's something that I'm going to just appreciate more if I revisit it later. I but will. it is, you know, it's not a movie that's going to jump out at me and makes my little nerd heart sing and cry and, and mm-hmm. some larger than life fantastical escapism mm. thing that I love. But it's still really good. I think I mean, mostly the performances are really good. I mean, I had a really good time watching it. I had a good time. I, I do think, and you know, I don't mean this in a bad way. You're just too young for it. Sure. You yeah. know, I really think. You know, I watched it when I was 32, and it didn't affect me. But I realize now, and I think the reason why this film is going to hold up is when you do any kind of film that uses a, a topic as its metaphor, mm. you know, which is let's use wine as the metaphor for the film. He j- they just cover it on every base. Mm-hmm. So the more you watch it, you can kind of go, oh, they thought about this aspect it of wine. It doesn't feel too wine. heavy-handed. No, and then it's not too heavy-handed either. It's very, it's very so, well-nurtured. It's, 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 yeah. it's two guys going on a wine tour mm-hmm. for five days. That's right. the basic. That and is they're the, both kind of assholes. Yeah, that is the movie yes. on the surface. And mm-hmm. then when you get deeper, you can see all of the characters. And you're just like, too. oh, Thomas Hayden Church is an asshole. Yeah. But <laughs> I, you know, I, this interesting is I felt like the chemistry between those two characters and the performance aside, just from a script point of view, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't to me the best part of the movie. Yeah. No. You know, I think it was the overall arching idea. And, and part of me thinks, you know, this is due for a really nice remake and a really nice mm. recreation from a different set of hands. Mm-hmm. You know, like imagine this in like the hands of like Wong Kar Wai. Mm. You know, or imagine this in the hands of some other director who who's going to choose a little bit better of a character chemistry. And, and you know, I get it; they're both freshmen, high school freshman roommates from you know college, University of San, San, San Diego State. And that line did reveal so much about great. like why they're friends why because they you'd understand why Paul Giamatti wouldn't have that many friends. <laughs> right. And so it's like he's just hanging out with this guy from yeah. freshman dorm. They both suck this entire yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which is why they need each other. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. it's and it's and what I really liked about the dynamic and I agree with you Eric 100% I feel like it wasn't the strongest chemistry mm-hmm. but the one thing I did like about it is I, I I felt like the only reason Thomas Hayden Church's character was conceived is to is to push Paul Giamatti's to that point mm-hmm. to that breaking point that's what that guy does it's mm-hmm. a very sort mm-hmm. of straight man you know wild man comedic thing where he's, he, he, he pushes him and, and yeah. to have a character like Thomas Hayden this guy who's just sleeping around this real sleazy guy but is this is like you're saying past his prime actor mm-hmm. super handsome guy can have mm-hmm. this effect on Women, when he looks mm-hmm. up and he goes, "Are you familiar with this doctor from mm-hmm. this soap yeah, opera?" Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That is the perfect foil for the Paul Giamatti. Like yep. I'm at rock bottom. That's right. And I have to go spend five days with this guy. But like, did you catch the turn? What do you mean? The turn like in that relationship. I feel like I'm being put on the spot. No, the turn, <laughs> the turn was. When, Sorry, I'm to Did you catch the turn? I feel like the turn happened. This is this is my theory, yeah. and you I'm, can I'm ask Keller. It. You can okay. ask. Ke- okay. See if he we'll knows do it. we'll do turns, and then my theory of a turn, mm-hmm. and then here's here's when the turn happened. Okay, got it. When they get out of the hospital. After Thomas Hayden Church gets his nose busted in from Sandra O, oh, and then they go to a restaurant. That's what and I then, think. Well, okay. keep going, keep okay, going, okay. keep going. Keep and going. the turn happens when he walks up and he goes, "I'm just going to hang around for an hour and make sure that she gets home safe." And Paul Giamatti says to him, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah, that was when I felt like the status changed, and we were on Paul's side. Paul not was the, like not completely, the, not completely fuck off. Yeah, but but he was like, so, "Oh, just, I have to wreck your car now." Yeah, there's still that. Uh, there was that, which is like, oh, Brian, and he still went into uh, that person's house and retrieved the wallet. That's right. true. From right. but 
the Maybe Beanie Madman. I thought that that's when the turn happened. That's also how I feel the turn is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But here we go. Here's how Here's we're wrong. Here's the real turn. Here's the real turn. The turn actually happened five minutes in. You idiots. <laughs> it was uh, page 19. It was actually the turn. Damn, Damn it yeah. to hell. No, I mean, I, I really think what they were trying to set up is this idea of masculinity. You know, so the idea that Tom represents a negative form of masculinity out of control mm-hmm. and um, Paul Giamatti represents emasculation, you know, mm-hmm. which is I've given up completely on it. But there's a turn when, you know, negative masculinity finally kicks the character in the ass. And for me, it's when Paul, it's when uh, Thomas Hayden comes back naked oh, into yeah. the oh, yeah. hotel room. And, and when he becomes, yeah. when he becomes weak. And, and infantile and, and crying cool. that like was that. like there were we watched it with a few people and mm-hmm. there were some people like why didn't he buy his why is he buying his acting bullshit yeah that's mm-hmm. right that's right but if you crying, look at Paul yeah. I thought there was a moment where you know he and this is this is a good cinematography Paul just felt sorry for the first time he was looking down on him mm-hmm. yeah you know actually. so he was looking physically down and you saw him enjoy this moment and from that moment on he actually asked he acts more quote unquote masculine mm-hmm. so he takes charge he does decisions and when he finally does that thing where he breaks in the house that's that's the kind of you know to use a crash term that was the nut he needed to bust yeah you know because that's after what that, he says he become, in the movie yeah, that's yes. a good he yeah. needs to become like a a, a man man mm-hmm. and after that moment even crashing the car he's like just do it it's fine mm-hmm. and then you realize when he when he's letting him go there he's really letting go of that it was just kind of like whatever and that like Could looking be, up okay to i'll him. do it you fucking baby yeah that's i'll right. go get it yeah that's right and that beautiful moment which you know will leave you to decide how you felt about it when you cut back to paul in his broken ass car and he's looking at the thing going up there is he and thinking he to himself is he like i'm not so bad or is he thinking that guy's just a disaster but i'm always gonna be friends with him you know whatever it is know. he has a new opinion because a little life. smile he's, does come on his face yes he's different he's yeah phys- he's looking at that in a different way yes it's not it's like just kind of like a there like you could feel him separating himself from yes, it? Yes, I think so. I think you're right. I think like he's because he's life. now accepted his new life, mm-hmm, I guess. Mm-hmm. Not. His lot in life. It, yeah. it, 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 it could almost be seen as he's looking up at Thomas Hayden Church and going, well... He thought he was in that guy's shadow, and then he's just like, oh, yes. this guy's a piece of shit, and too. I, and he needed me. Yeah. yeah. And I saved his shit, and mm-hmm, it's all yes. broken up there, but whatever. And even the whole wedding scene, you see him looking at you know very happily at his friends. He's really, really happy for the guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not saddened by existing at a wedding. Yeah. You know, that's just when I think the turn happens. I think I'd, right. I'd I agree think with that. that. Yeah, and yeah. I think that you nailed it with the cinematography example because in case there's somebody listening to this that, ha- that hasn't seen Sideways or like are not rewatching it and then listening to this is Thomas Hayden comes down and sits on the bed and Paul Giamatti props up on like the little counter mm-hmm. and he just starts laughing he's, at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and also he's so naked. Funny. He's naked, naked, wrapped in a blanket. So he's really like a crying baby. Yeah, he was. He became a crying baby. Mm -hmm. We looked at that moment, and when he was crying, we thought, this guy's an actor. Is he bullshitting his friend, or is he really vulnerable in this moment? I, I... I don't know. I, cu- I couldn't come up with a de- with a decision. I couldn't yeah. come up with how I felt about it mm. what, bef- bef- before the scene moved to they're in the car. And because then he gets to the car and then he's in the car and he's like, okay, you got to go in there. And he's asleep. He's asleep and he's like, yeah. you got to go in there. He That's doesn't right. give a shit really about That's Paul right. Giamatti. That's right. Even until the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. He's I mean, his best fr- man at his wedding. That was like a very delicate balance they were going because he's supposed to be seen as a manipulator. He's mm-hmm. supposed to be seen as like an actor and he's supposed to be seen as like a womanizer. But we're never sure about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think yeah. we were kind of seeing through the wall of like, is he a bad actor or is he an actor playing a bad actor? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was very subtle. It was. Because he was nominated. Yeah, hey, we could we could just be wrong. We, <laughs> could, we could be wrong about Thomas yeah. Hayden Church. 
yeah. the Sandman. The actor of this generation. But I um, gotta remember what the perception of him was in 2004 because if the idea is you take Brad Pitt and you put sure. a mullet on him yeah. and you and you dress him down and he plays that, you go, oh, look at him acting like a lame-o. Mm-hmm. But True. I don't remember if Thomas I didn't Hayden, really know much Thomas Hayden Church at all other than like seeing the clips yeah. from the Oscars for this movie. Mm. Yeah. I, I think that what I remember from that time was that he was this sort of an indie actor. That's all I remember. Mm. Didn't he do he a lot of theater stuff? Probably, but right, that wasn't right. stuff that I was aware of that wasn't on my yeah. radar. What mm. I do, do remember was that Thomas Hayden Church was a guy who used to be on Wings, mm-hmm. the same as a, um, um, oh my God, I'm blanking on the actor's name, Tony Shalhoub in Monk, mm. right? So Tony Shalhoub, Thomas Hayden Church, these guys were on Wings, and then as the years go by, they're they're appearing as character actors in movies. Right. And Thomas Hayden Church, I felt like, was this indie movie guy. Mm-hmm. Sideways was a big, just like Paul Giamatti, was this big sort of like, you know, mm-hmm. these guys are phenomenal actors. And then from then, they, they just got, both of them got roles as Spider-Man villains. <laughs> yeah, in that. separate Spider-Man yeah. franchises. Who would, who would think, oh, you know what? Those mm-hmm. guys would be great in Spider-Man. I mean, look, when Thomas Hayden Church was cast, I'm not going to lie, I was like, he's perfect for Flint Marco Sandman. Because he looks yeah. just like him, and I'm like, he's Physically, a good actor. Yeah. And then yeah. that movie was... Yep. The script wasn't concerned about mm-hmm. that guy. He was the best. He was the probably the best part of that movie, the Sandman. Yeah, I think if you're going to pick one thing in that movie, yeah. you, you can you can die on that because he's good yeah. in it. Yeah, yeah he and, is. And, and the effects for the Sandman, the like that scene when he's changing, yeah, yeah, is very he's cool. Trying to form yeah. himself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, guys, I didn't want us to end up talking. What the hell did you think <laughs> was going to happen, Hector Navarro? You're three feet away from a Spider-Man statue. I thought we were going to end up talking about the Amazing Spider-Man Two, where Paul Giamatti plays the Rhino, and he for two seconds this thick Russian accent. Oh You knew it was like, wait, are they planning to bring him back in a later movie? Is that what he's only in this for two seconds? Like they probably were planning on bringing him back. So uh, can I can I switch gears? I want to talk about the female actors. Please, Sandra O, Virginia Madsen. Yep. Were the main, you know, female mm. and two uh, waitresses, two or and three waitresses, a couple of waitresses, yeah. Yeah. and and the Armenian wife that and the Paul's church. mom and Paul Giamatti's mom. She was, she was so was good, great. so good. She, she was, was so so good, that, so funny. They nailed mom writing. Yeah, on that. <laughs> they did. Like they nailed like a mom like meaning well, but also just making you feel like shit about yeah. yourself and yeah. horny. And horny. Huh? She I love was it. So, yeah, because so she was like, you brought she made this me man feel so horny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Eric, what are you reviewing no, right now? No, not no, her. Me. Writing. Just me. Me and Kelleher. Oh, when Eric super Calderon, horny. When Eric Kelleher hears some good mom writing, he's like, mm, Ooh, nothing damn, gets girl. him going. <laughs> Tell me about that little Are you hungry? No, but you're right, Eric. She was she was the perfect level of mom horny, which mm-hmm. is that thing of like she's always kind of not super nice to your good looking mm-hmm. friend. Yeah, and, and it like, emasculates Paul even more. It's a great yeah. character setup. And he goes and steals money from the Clorox. And she offers it to him and afterwards. And then, oh, man, when Wonder she does like, that. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Brutal. I'm worried about you. Yeah. Do you need money? Yeah. Oh, ouch. And at that point in the movie, we're all like, this guy's a piece of shit. Exactly. Yeah. Kept, great setup. And then we were on the journey with him yeah. just right great after setup. that. But I, um, I will yeah. say I'm super happy that Sandra O oh played a character that had nothing to do with her Asian-ness. She was so good, this too. Great. Eric, yeah, she was great. this is messed up of me, but I was expecting the Asian film card to point it out. I was expecting yeah. Thomas Hayden Church to say some ignorant thing. Yeah. And I'm kind of blown away that the movie did. Yeah, some like yellow time. fever bullshit. Some something yeah, about anything. like like I was cuz I've heard it in a million movies. In fact, yeah. I think I heard it from in, that kind of character. Yes. Yeah, that's, what, right. that's right. I know what it was. Wedding Crashers. Vince Vaughn's character mm. says to Owen Wilson, "Come on, I've never had sex with an Asian girl." Oh, that's the when worst. It's the worst. So I was expecting worst. that line from Thomas yeah. Hayden Church's character. Yeah. And it didn't happen, not mm-hmm. once. And mm-hmm. I thought it was and at one point when we meet 
her daughter, well, first of all, we meet her mom mm-hmm. and her mom was white. Mm-hmm. So we're like, oh, her dad's Asian, her mom's white. Mm-hmm. They never dad, really demean mm-hmm. their And then the dad is African-American because the, kid, the, the kid's yes. African-American. Sandra O's ex-husband mm-hmm. or ex-lover or whatever, right. the, the father to her daughter mm-hmm. is a black guy. That's right. Mm-hmm. And all of this stuff was not... It did, we, the movie didn't go into it. So glad they didn't. And it was just this. It was just this matter of fact, like subtle. Like this isn't part of the movie. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna. We're not gonna have. This is how this character's life is. Yeah, and yeah. I love how the mom is like super white, trashy, and like yeah. hanging in a bowling alley this and smoking. You? Smoking is this yeah, yeah. What Giovanni a piece says, of trash! <laughs> it was so nice to talk to you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it was great. As a, again, good mom writing. Good, good mom writing. Good mom I writing. think but, this um, guy should write more mom movies. He should. <laughs> Mother's Seriously. Day should have been. Dude, I would totally watch the mom version of Sideways. Oh man, Moms go on no, a wine trip, dude. They do nothing but go on wine trips. Yeah, like, that is true. like such a. That's your sequel, by the way. We're calling you out. That mom. is, yeah, yeah. your sequel hey, is an all female sideways. It's way it's, better. You're you're absolutely right. It's Virginia Manson's mom meets Paul Giamatti's mom because like they're getting married and we just go. follow them there too. And oh I just, my god, <laughs> I, I do feel like you know a, a pretentious guy who's into wine is totally different than a woman who's into wine. I absolutely. think there's a great new perspective yeah. to have there. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I love because when they talked about wine, like when Paul Giamatti talked about wine ever, and I was like, shut the fuck up. I mean, but when I get Sandra O oh or Virginia oh, yeah. Madsen, I was like, yeah, you know what the fuck you're talking yeah. about. You're an incredibly intelligent person. <laughs> you can talk about wine as much as you want. And then when Paul yeah. Giamatti, shut your mouth. Yeah. I, really, I agree. I agree. I really though did like the scene between him and Virginia Manson, like that Eric that you had us really zero in on when he describes why he likes Pinot Noir versus other stuff, and then he asked her why do you like wine, and she mm-hmm. had this beautiful philosophy, mm-hmm. and that's all mm-hmm. human beings are. That's all people are. They're just mm-hmm. walking philosophy. Well, it's mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Paul Giamatti never... described himself, and then she described every human being. Yeah. <laughs> well, let me yeah. let me take that further. I think what Paul did is he. Uh, I mean, the, the scriptwriter is pretty heavy heavy handed there. Yeah. Which is he's going to write this character to exactly be a delicate grape, mm-hmm. and Paul's going to describe why a delicate grape is so important to like, be taken care of. That's how I would describe Paul Giamatti. If yeah, you like yeah. walk up and he's like, hey, what do you think That's Paul right. Giamatti is? Oh, he's yeah, like yeah. a delicate grape. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that delicate grape could one day be perfect if it was handled with the most mm. precision and love and care, and that's what I need. Mm-hmm. And when Virginia Madsen explains herself and why she loves wine, she's not actually every woman or every person. She is the perfect match for him mm-hmm. because mm. she cares about horticulture. Mm-hmm. She understands the timing of things. Nurturing. She thinks all about the conditions, and she dreams about how a grape was cared for and how sad it is that some died off. So she's so empathic. And how much things change. And how much things mm-hmm. change. So she actually can perceive everything about his life through metaphor, mm-hmm. and that's why he falls in love with her. And yeah. I think she also, she mentioned that like, she loved how wine made her call out bullshit of her ex-husband and sort of see the world as it is. And mm-hmm. I feel like that cynicism lines up perfectly with Paul Giamatti's character. Like it's, it's great. It kind of made him these two little peas in a pod. It's where, a beautiful romance. And yeah. that's, that is the best part of the writing of this movie mm-hmm. the, is the Virginia Madsen, oh, yeah. Paul Giamatti love story. It's so good. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So good. Absolutely. And yeah. Thomas Hayden Church getting beat with a bicycle helmet. <laughs> So, you, so going back to Eric, you wanting to kind of talk crap about this movie, you talked about the Thomas Hayden Church character performance. Right. Mm-hmm. Was there anything else that you, some of the cinematography, mm-hmm. was there anything else that was jumping out of you that like maybe you didn't love on this rewatch? I think it could be 20 minutes shorter. And I don't know Probably. if that's my... But my then you were saying taste. like it takes its time and mm-hmm. you like maybe you won't like it for a second. I do also think the movie, I mean, if they were not going to shave up 20 minutes, they just needed better looking B-roll. 
Mm. You know, because I think you're in really fucking gonna... wine country. Yeah. You could yeah. have had some amazing B-roll. And they beer. really just failed yeah. on that. And I think, you know, if you're doing an s- independent film crew and stuff like that, you get the great cinematographer, you, you get them on their own, mm-hmm. you don't bother them, and you just have them shoot like hours and hours of B-roll. And a great editor knows when to transition into these things so you can really feel where you are. I never really felt that the place was that pretty. No. I give you that. Yeah. You know, I felt like I was in a small-ass town. Where are you from originally? Because I'm Southern California. In fact, I'm born and raised in San Diego. And we're watching this movie, and you turn to me, you're like, you're you're from, you're San Diego, Mm -hmm. right? And it was, it's always fun to see your hometown in a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I felt like, at least in the San Diego part, because we basically like start there, go Mm -hmm. somewhere else, and then kind of end on it. Right. It didn't feel super San Diego to Mm -hmm. me. Like, I wasn't super... No, it never shows it, it. It doesn't, but it did feel... As far as, you know, my experience, it did feel like Northern California wine country, Solvang, especially when we get to that little Dutch capital of the United States, I, having visited there maybe like last year, and it's pretty fresh in my mind, I liked that, and it, 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 for me it felt like as we were driving around to these different places, it kind of did feel like that area of California for me. But you were, you're drawing from prior experience. Sure. Yeah. You know, I sure. think, you know, of course, I make cartoons, so, you know, my palette is, is oversaturated to begin with, but, you know, San Diego should have been concrete and gray and boring, and when you yeah. got up to the Napa Valley, and it should have been, been a greens and purples yeah. and really beautiful, and you got a really I mean, the color script for that is not that it's aware. Not. I mean, you know, it's not. and I think all the restaurants should have been super saturated and yellow and rich mm-hmm. so that when you went back to San Diego and you went back to these like fast food restaurants, you're like, oh, this sucks. the dream of that place mm-hmm. should have mm-hmm. been a little, I mean, to me, a little bit more. It could have made Napa Valley. Is that where they were? I don't know. We'll just call, let's call it that. Wine country. It could wine made, country should have looked Because even Nebraska looked better than this movie did. Mm-hmm. Oh, Nebraska's oh, about Nebraska. So. And yeah. it's black and white. <laughs> Yeah, and black and white. Absolutely. I mean, there's two movies now that I will uh, associate wine country with, and that is Sideways and then The Parent Trap. And The Parent Trap. (laughs) Yes, The Parent (laughs) Trap. With Lindsay Lohan twice makes like Napa Valley look gorgeous. It really does. I think that's the job of most cinematographers. Like, you're doing a movie there, you better like turn that fucking saturation up. (laughs) That better be Instagram filtered the shit out of it. Exactly. Pretty. So yeah, let's talk, let's talk remake for a second. You mm-hmm. mentioned earlier, like maybe it's now all time. women. It's all, all women. women. It's an all, all women, women cast. Remake. Who would you who would you cast in it? Wow, that's a good question. Um, Just right off the top of my head, I'm thinking Judy Dench. I'm thinking Helen Mirren. Way too, too old. Way too, too old. old. You need in the okay. forty late forties, early fifties. All right, give me a, give me a Sandra Bullock. Give me a yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Eric's good, good call. Eric's good call. Who? Uh, I can't believe I'm using this reference. Trying to remember Jennifer Garner. Oh, perfect. Jennifer Garner. Jennifer Garner. Perfect. Ben That's also. Right. That's right. That'd be a like good American comeback Express for Jennifer Garner commercials or whatever yeah. Yeah. she's doing. But I mean, you know perfect. what she's doing? She is waking up and she's going to the hotel gym in the morning. Mm-hmm. She's trying to mm-hmm. keep the shit together. Yes. Oh, you know, she's into like a young waiter. That's that. Who's kind of sexy? Crisis. Yes. That's yeah. right. That's right. Jennifer Garner would be. And perfect. then next row, you pl- you play a, a a five years from now, mm-hmm. first dramatic role, Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. Melissa McCarthy, ooh, dramatic, <gasps> yeah. Let her like tone it all down. Yeah, she Let goes her, like, a little bit better this. in that she, movie she she's, made. She's the Paul Giamatti. She's role? the Paul Giamatti, dude. You nailed it. You see what I mean? You nailed it. And That's you got to let perfect. her. You get to let her express some of that get pain. Real sad with it. That's right. You got to oh let her God. show what it's like to to be Sookie, what she could do. Girls. That's right. Melissa yeah, could. Yeah. But what you got to do is you got to give her an occupation that's parallel to to a writer, but something different. You know, something that she just can't seem to make work. 
Not no, bad. She's already but played, not but bad. she's already played a chef in Gilmore yeah, Girls. Yeah, I don't know if yeah. she'd want to do it again. I don't yeah, know if yeah. Melissa McCarthy would want to do it yeah. again. Mm-hmm. Maybe she is a uh, champion dog breeder. Ooh, no. champion dog Maybe breeder. Maybe she is a... Yes, be... you know, I'll tell you why. Okay. Because it shows her inability to get along with people. Yeah. Because she's chosen she's animals, animals over people. Dude, nice. She has done. that ostrich farm. It's hers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the ostrich farm. That's great. And she's got a story. She's like, years ago, some naked guy ran through. That's, that's, yeah, that's yeah. the reference to sideways. But you know, what's great is she wants to bring Jennifer Garner there to visit only the ostrich farms. Yeah. And Jennifer's like, you know, they also got wine. Yeah. And she's like, I don't like wine. She's like an but, ostrich connoisseur. Yeah. That's right. Exactly. Ostriches. They're beautiful. Yeah. They're exactly. So cool. They're oh my dinosaurs. god! Look at that plumage. <laughs> And Jennifer's like, can we please go get fucked Oh my God, up? hell of an ostrich steak. That's, right. <laughs> That's actually pretty amazing. good. That's pretty That'd good. be amazing. You know, there is a Japanese remake of Sideways. Now, what? You said, mm-hmm. I heard That's you, right. as we were watching the movie, you said that. It came mm-hmm. out in like 2009. And I was like, mm-hmm. What? Yeah, How? I'm not. Well, I, you know, the rights were licensed over to a Japanese company. Is there a Japanese equivalent to wine country? I don't know if in they... In California. I don't know anything about it. I, you know, I've never mm. seen it. I just have very low expectations for <laughs> anything that's a Japanese remake. I mean, actually, about two years ago, I saw the, the Japanese remake of Unforgiven. Oh, the Western? They did that? Yeah, they did Unforgiven Killer, with Ken Watanabe. Watch I need what? to watch that what? right now. Yeah, you can watch it. I mean, they, you know, they started to derail. Bad. Well, here's the great thing they did. Okay. Japanese culture actually has their American Indians, and they're called the Ainu. So those are the indigenous people who lived in Japan before basically all Japanese culture. And they spoke a different language. They were super native. And they they, tie that into the film. Were they like Inuit? I'm trying to like... Yeah, like that. Yeah, more Eskimo-y. And the person that they cast for the young guy... You know the young cowboy mm-hmm. in it isn't isn't I knew. Oh, that's awesome! That's very well done. But you know Ken Watanabe. I mean, it's also probably the direction of the script. He is just fucking sleepy <laughs> through the whole movie. Like they, I think they miss the point mm. of him, and they just make him sleepy instead of Clint Eastwood. Instead of tired and worn out from mm-hmm. life, yeah. he's just more like sleepy. he hasn't got enough sleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, close, oh, very yeah. close. That yeah. sounds amazing, and I'm always curious about because some one of my favorite things that I've ever had, like talked to you about is mm. the sort of difference culturally in film language mm. between Asian audiences and and Western audiences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think that Western audiences. That was cool about the Crouching Tiger talk. Absolutely. I don't oh, think yeah. you talked about the contrast, even those yeah. characters in regards to the, yeah, the types totally. of cinema. Mm-hmm. Totally. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, people in the United States, people in the West, I don't think they think about that stuff mm-hmm. enough or mm-hmm. at all, really. Mm-hmm. I don't no. think that they think mm-hmm. about that when when movies are opened overseas and do mm-hmm. good or do bad or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I just like, I, I'm so curious. But it's no about different that. than you having a Hispanic lens from looking at things Absolutely. and me having an Asian lens. And this Absolutely. Is like, it's just a thing. Oh, I know. It's, yeah, and yeah. it's, you know, Coco is going to be a different movie for me that it's going to be for most people right just because of right. my background and and um but i'm so curious to know like how you know because a thing that i learned in the past few years is that ghost in the shell the anime mm-hmm. had its specific context and its specific origins and it's something that cannot just be translated to sort of other audiences it's a bit, this very japanese thing you know i had friends telling me about the context of it so that when the news was coming out of like, oh, a United States studio is going to live action remake it. Mm-hmm. This is when people are upset at that. This is why these mm-hmm. kinds of contextual reasons. So I think I think the opposite is so interesting and would be so it would be true. Maybe this idea of Unforgiven mm-hmm. with this history and context of the American Southwest. Mm-hmm. But then you're describing. But then Jap- Japan had this this sort of own version of mm-hmm. Indians or Native Americans, mm-hmm. Native people. I think that's fascinating. It was a great script idea. I'm, I'm sad yeah. they didn't deliver, but uh, the, the idea. Yeah, good. But but a sideways remake. 
Ah. I wonder if you could also do it in the south of France. Interesting. You know, have you ever seen, uh, yeah. it's not exactly like a comparison, but have you seen The Trip with Steve mm-hmm. Coogan and another guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> another guy? I can't remember. Another guy. Name. They yeah, do yeah. Michael Caine impressions. You know, The Trip, <laughs> that movie. Yeah, It's true. <laughs> but you know what one. I'm talking about? I know, I know the it's film about you're talking about. It's about a guy like reluctantly taking his friend on this mm-hmm. restaurant tour. Sure, sure, sure. Is it like a British version of sideways kind of kind of but also not like they're not super close friends or anything Mm -hmm. interesting but like you could similar yeah you could also kind of Thelma and louise a sideways remake Mm. oh absolutely you know you're saying get gina davis yeah gina davis and susan sarandon yeah wow that would actually be amazing let's reteam them pretty good uh but do like a sideways movie yeah pretty good pretty good good. hollywood are you paying attention that's exactly yeah Uh, hollywood are you listening to our podcast if so hi hollywood hollywood can you subscribe to our podcast (laughs) oh who's uh who's um who's the lead in fargo what's her name again francis mcdormand francis mcdormand that'd be a good that'd be a good one perfect just saw her in three billboards oh yeah and she's great she's very very good in that movie uh, but again, I feel I feel like the the the, fe- the I mean we're three dudes, so we're going to be wrong. <laughs> yeah, to say that. But the 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 female idea of a midlife crisis is a whole different ball game than yeah. a male fe- male midlife crisis crisis. Well, just the whole dynamic that our culture has yeah. created. That's right. That's like right, I was yeah. watching a movie called The Paper that Ron Howard did. Yeah, and it's about Michael Ke- or Michael Keaton's wife Marissa Tomei is about to have a kid mm. and she's like a reporter at the paper that michael keaton runs right and so but she's sure, been sure. on leave because she's gonna have a baby and marissa she's like, tomei she's Another so good, good. that Another would be an choice. amazing choice yeah. Yes. You uh, also, Keller, by describing that film, you just made Spider-Man: Homecoming more interesting to me. That's <laughs> oh, see, that's what it is. That's, that's yeah. what it is. That's very cool. See, the they brought that team up. Yeah, Glenn Close the is going to be in Homecoming too. Whoa! Whoa. <laughs> I would actually yeah. love that. Yeah. Really if Glenn Close yeah. showed up and she's like, "I'm Doctor Octopus," that's it's like, right. "Cool, what? Yes, yes, please, yes, <laughs> Doctor Gender Neutral." <laughs> it, Ooh, is. Exactly. it is. It works. Just because I say the words "Doctor Octopus," do you think of a male? I immediately thought of a penis. Yeah, tentacles on you. I was thinking a dick immediately. Exactly. Sexist. That's right. Uh, paging Dr. Octopus, it's That's a woman. Right. Boom. Yeah, boom. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that movie's about her, like, my life's about to be over, mm. and you're just going to go on and get this better job, right. and I'm not going to wow. have anything other than being it, the mom it. to this kid. Mercedes Keller, I want to ask you, I know we're running long. No, crisis. please, please. Oh, yeah. please. I felt like you didn't like the movie. I I liked the movie. Uh, I didn't. When did, when I did you check out? I didn't. I, like, checked out of parts of the movie like mm. these characters were like i couldn't access them that much i agree I only because say. they were like that level of pretension is a thing that i do not like yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's uh turns me off just in actual people but then this movie kind of like dissects that pretension mm-hmm. and it's like this guy is just a sad sack who knows a lot about wine i think they could have uh, made fun of it a bit more yeah, and I think like because I think that's a really good point. They should that's, make fun of the pretension. They really it up a little bit more. Yeah, they like should. showed some really pretentious people. Even. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also, and they kind of do a little bit when he's like uh, asparagus that's and right. strawberry, and he's like, yeah, definitely getting the strawberry. <laughs> but what that's doing though is that's making fun of the dumb guy. True. I think yeah. what's funnier is like you know remember that that kind of like Colonel Sanders dude who was you know preaching to that whole. Oh group? yeah. I mean, I think more things like that where they point to actual yeah. wine wine people as a weird mm-hmm. you know kind of the comic nerds of of alcohol. Yeah. You know, I think if they had done that, I think there's so been, many comic nerds of alcohol now. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it would have been a much more well-rounded, accessible film if they could have made fun of those people. Dude, they I think. could make make a movie 
two hipsters going on a craft beer tour. Oh, sounds good. That's a sideways. That's <laughs> yeah. a sideways they yeah. should do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like two. It's called always. Yeah. One of them. <laughs> one of them wants to be a screenwriter, but oh wow, wow. We could do a quarter life crisis film. And, yeah. And it could even still sure. start in San Diego because there's so many craft breweries. Exactly. That's true. Now, so in that movie, it's going to be a 25 year old high school football star. Oh. Who's still hanging oh, with his I freshman know. high school buddy? I know that guy. Who wasn't on and the football team? Yeah, that's but. right. Who is still friends with the guy who owns a local comic book store? And they're going to go on a craft beer tour. Oof. This is I fucking it's, hate this movie. Yeah. I do too. I hate these characters <laughs> so, so much, but it's yeah. like the yeah. equivalent that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they both burn in the end in some mm-hmm. large fire, oh, I, yeah, I suppose it's a good movie. <laughs> A thing that um, that that showed me a lot of uh, uh, of that world of pretentious sort of subjectivity was a documentary called "Who the Fuck Is Jackson Pollock?" Have you guys seen that? No, no. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. The uh, the the documentary, and this is a true story. Apparently, this woman finds an original Jackson Pollock in like a yard sale mm-hmm. in California somewhere. Mm-hmm. Goes and gets it appraised, and the whole film is about how the art world would look at that and go, "There's no way." That's a real that is, Jackson. That Pollock. is a real Jackson. But there's no way that this woman could have found this thing when they like trace it back. This lady finds and, it at a yeah, yard sale. It's yeah, like, what does she know? She didn't know who he was. Yeah, she thought it was very, a cool looking painting. I want to watch that movie. Now. It's, it was. It's it was good. very enlightening. It was mm-hmm. so interesting to look at just the art world itself. And I think mm-hmm. that at some point in the documentary, they even get to the idea that like even within the art world, they're like, we kind of know this is all bullshit. It yeah. is crazy but, how much yeah. people like are like want to put forth the arts and like talk mm-hmm. up the arts and then there's just so much exclusion inside there of is. it as mm-hmm. well there is. even yeah. in like the arts and mm-hmm. so, I think wine is similar I feel wine, like wine yeah, is similar same thing yeah yeah it's very, I actually have friends who are big wine connoisseurs and when they start to talk about it I start to like them less <laughs> seriously I really do even like if when it's right yeah they're even if they're right like, I, just, well, I just wait till it to be done sure. because I don't give a shit because you're yeah. only saying this to say it yeah that's yeah. right it's like just drink the damn wine we're all getting drunk y'all that's right you know you're eating that you have that with sweet potato fries yeah so it's like really, <laughs> but they're like, sweet potato fries. Yeah, they're like regular exactly. you know, crisp cut fries. Or yeah, something. Oh, these aren't in and out fries. These are sweet potato. Uh, but maybe some of those ideas of like how for me that documentary tore down some of those those things in that world of art pretension and art critique and and whatever. Sideways could have used more of that with the wine world, like you guys are saying. Yeah. Can yeah. I can I tell you another way this could be a really great remake? Mm. Is you combine the cinematography and style of Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Oh, yeah. You put an office-style pseudo-documentary structure over it, mm-hmm. and then you tell the story of these two guys who are kind of more like reporting about the situation. One's an on-camera guy, one's a not-off-camera guy. On-camera guy's clearly there just to be the face and the voice. Other guy's the actual expert. Yeah. And then you kind of do a little bit of like behind and forth, and it's a very modern version. You get a lot of wine talk, but you get you kind of see the side story, like, oh, I didn't show up in time. Where is he? Oh, he's fucking some check he made. Yeah. Oh, yeah. what? And yeah. then it's it's a total rewrite, but it's a different it's a different approach. The yeah. B roll should have just been them making wine, like shots of other people true, making wine. True. Yeah, the yeah I think time. they could have used more of that. They mm-hmm. could have used more of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do feel like they they put the or just the like white color view a dusty of wine. cellar really slowly with that. And the yeah. music choice was very weird. It was super mm-hmm. peanuts and Pink Panther. Well, yeah. it's like the score was compro- composed superficial by, music. It was composed by someone. Composed. It was. It was composed by Rolf Kent. Is who it was composed by. Um, and I know. I'm sorry. It sucked. Yeah. It well, was. Yeah. Rolf, but it did like kind of change as the movie went on. As the characters, like the music did a little bit change. Mm-hmm. I don't but, remember it though. I mean, do you, I, yeah, I, I, no. there was nothing thematic going on. There was nothing no. specific. 
There were a couple of moments where I remember thinking, oh, I'm supposed to feel a certain way because of how the music is. Mm -hmm. But Rolf Kent, I know from, he also did the score for um, the movie Rain Over Me. I believe oh, okay. with like Adam Sandler and Don Cheadle, which was this post nine eleven drama. Mm-hmm. Kind of I remember comedy. that, and I really like that movie. But mm-hmm. it is a weird fucking mo- like mm-hmm. like tonally like it's a it's a very interesting. How's the music weird. in it? I like the score you because mm-hmm. I think Rolf Kent and I think that movie came out in like two thousand like six or something. I want to say mm-hmm. like a, a few years after this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like he really nailed the sort of the the the. The tone in that, um, yeah. it wasn't as Charlie Browny mm-hmm. at certain points, but it wasn't as um, it wasn't super super serious all the time. So this was an interesting, yeah. The score was kind of weird. I don't think it got dark enough. Yeah, no. And I think the bright tones were too funny. Mm. Yeah, so I was like, eh. yeah. yeah. Keller, do we have anything else on your little uh, list of stuff that we'd like to go through? We've already when done you the- say it. Like that, it sounds bad. <laughs> Keller, do you have anything on your little list of stuff you like <laughs> yeah, to do? Yeah. Keller, do you have yeah. anything on your little uh, baby poo poo? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did you remember yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. thing yeah. I asked you to do? Remember that yeah, thing I told I made you to do? Did you write that down? Yeah, I Keller, made a how list. How come you're not writing this down? Yeah. I made Keller. a list inside of this diaper. Of things <laughs> I want to do. Get that thing I sent you. Thank you. <laughs> You've already pitched a sequel. Got it. Keller, water, thirsty. Does it belong on the list? Yes, I would say it does. Um, I can't think of another movie that. Like, what's that a midlife cri- other midlife crisis? Maybe about movies. Schmidt, but that's about a Schmidt's a decline. That's not a midlife. I don't know. That's a, that's a, I don't know. Uh, that's, there that's, are obviously other ones. But a thing that we ask. I our think guests, falling down is a great midlife mm, crisis. That's a totally different. That's so but it's a midlife crisis. Crazy, story. it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that might be my favorite Joel Schumacher movie. I'm oh. just kidding. It's Batman Forever. <laughs> I'm not gonna. <laughs> that was I'm close. Not, I'm not gonna be pretentious. It's Batman Forever. Thank you very much. And then, wow, falling down. Um. So, yeah, we like to ask our guests, do you think that in the long run – and again, this list came out in 2008, so there's no films from 2009 to now on this list of the 500 greatest movies of all time. Can you think of anything that you would want to – Put there bump, instead. You know, put there instead, or do you feel like, no, this belongs in the top 500 greatest movies of all time? Hmm. Let me think about that. Sure. I think um, in my limited ex- film watching experience that I don't think there's a better alcohol movie. Yeah. And there's just not another good wine movie. I think that yeah. that comes up to this level. Beer and, fest? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. And I will, you know, if I can if I can be so pretentious, I will say that this film will age well. It will. And I think it will do much better. I think the peak of this movie is going to be about 15 years from now. Cuz I think whenever you that. when you've lost your memory for the slang and, and for the phones. fashion mm-hmm. and for the technology, it will feel like uh, you've really discovered something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like when someone pulls out a 61 bottle of wine mm. and you're in 73, it, it's, there's still a lot about that's like not that cool. Mm-hmm. And we have to erase our memory of those things being cool. And it has to become true retro and become true pieces of nostalgia. And then it's just the script that you're paying attention to because you're not distracted by anything that yes. you recognize. So I feel like the Agreed. peak of this movie is is 15 to 20 years from now. So we've seen it yeah. before it's time. So you're saying that the peak of this movie is going to come about when we, Keller and I, are at, the are age. at that age to oh, watch like, it. Like people our generation are going to go, have you guys seen Sideways? It's yeah. brilliant. I got 20 years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's... I got 15. I mean, this is not the only movie. It's funny because in the last, uh, last six or seven months, I decided to watch some movies that I watched as a kid and I realized mm. there's a 30 year span oh, wow. and there's a massive difference between watching 
a movie like Excalibur in 1982 when you're actually 11 years old as opposed to watching it now and you go, oh my lord, <laughs> John Borman directs like it's a war set. I mean, it's really like a, it's a, it's like ugh, so crazy. Yeah. And so this was another movie I was like, it's only been 12 years or 13 years since I saw it, but mm-hmm. I'm a different person mm-hmm. yeah. from that. And I picked up a lot more this time. Absolutely. That I didn't like before. And also, you know, like the movie said, there were parts of this movie that was like, meh, I didn't like that. Sure. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of sure. like that that particular scene, not for me. Mm-hmm. And I have the discernment to say I'm okay with not liking that. You don't have to worship it. Yeah. Keller, anything else? I think um, we pretty much got everything, man. Yeah. That was uh, excellent. Yeah, that was it. All right. I'm done with my wine. Last thing that we'd like to ask is, Eric, is there, uh, and you've talked about so many great movies and things so far. What are you watching right now? What have you watched recently? Movies or TV, whatever oh, you want. Oh, gosh. Um, What's good? What could you recommend? Yeah. Um, give me a second to think about that. Well, I, I do think um, Orville is very underrated. Mm, and I, w- I would disagree with well, you on uh, that. And here, oh, here, here's why. Here's why. I mean, I, okay. I'm, I'm behind the scenes on that a little bit, which okay. is I feel like it's, <laughs> it's Seth MacFarlane who just really wished he was in Star Trek Next Generation. <laughs> And he's like, you know, I am so rich and successful. I'm just going to write myself in as the captain. I'm going to just live this entire life of TNG. Mm -hmm. I'm going to play myself. I'm going to put a couple jokes in there because, you know, Fox is. That's what people want. Yeah. Yeah. Fox has got to pay for this shit. But you know what? I'm going to tell a story about, you know. And I just find it so comforting and not not even in a super healthy way. It's fan fiction. I mean, that is like a bowl of macaroni and cheese. Yeah. You know, like I just I take every bite and go like, it's totally okay. Mm-hmm. No one's watching. You meet a character and you're like, I know exactly who that character is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. This is that orange you. dust macaroni and, and cheese. So there, yeah. yeah. There's no stress in it. You know, I, I'm not worried at all about <laughs> all some right. new twist that they're going to put as on this. As opposed to like, like if yeah. you watch Star Trek Discovery, mm-hmm. as a Star Trek fan, it can be stressful because you're like, don't fuck this up. That's right. Fuck, it's, and it's, you're, the and stakes are higher. The stakes are way higher. Because it is Star Trek. Because it's official Star Trek. That's official Star Trek. So you're, um, you know, you're yeah. watching that and you're dissecting it. And you're, I, will, yeah. I will say in my world of cartoon, the big mm-hmm. thing right now in anime is uh, Devilman Crybaby, mm-hmm. which is uh, directed by, again, uh, Masa Yuasa, I think. Um, very old franchise. Yeah, very old franchise yeah. Uh, created by a guy named Go and a Guy. It's basically like a devil man kind of thing. When did they do the video The game? art looks cool. The art looks cool. I feel, um, how old I don't is remember. this franchise? Cause I feel it's like from like the like, 70s. Really? Yeah, Go and the Guy is like a classic horror guy. But the wow. directorial choices and the way that this guy tells cinema, and it's just so fresh. And he just keeps changing your expectation of things. I mean, from the very basic animation cycle, there's an animation point of view. There's a run cycle for the main character, mm-hmm. you know, when he's running forward and he learns that he's got all these incredible powers. And he runs so fast and he's so superhumanly athletic that he basically runs on his hands and feet. Because, and, and his body is almost completely horizontal. So he actually looks like this, almost like a wild orangutan. Cool. But at that speed, he, he's like three times as fast as a human. And you go, that choice is so specific. <laughs> and makes so interesting. sense. It makes sense. And it's so demony and creepy. Yeah. So I, like, I think Devilman Crybaby is a really, really, really good watch. All right. Um, cool. Other than that, I mean, I'm going to go back to the Star Trek thing. I watched one episode of Black Mirror, which was the Star Trek episode. USS Callister. USS Callister. Really fucked with me yeah man <laughs> it's really great praise and then suddenly complete incrimination of what it is to be a star trek fan wow. i i'm I, pumped to see that i so would disagree i read this somebody set up online somebody read like posted online the uss callister is a 
celebration and all the things that are good about Star Trek. But what that specific story is about is it shows you what happens when somebody buys into that world and doesn't listen to any of its moral teachings. Well, that's what I mean. It's an yeah. incrimination of a person who doesn't get it, but it is, it is half the fans. Yeah, you might not be wrong. You, yeah, 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 you might not be You're wrong. You're hundred percent right. Like w- half the Star Wars fans, yeah, yeah. fucking dicks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking dicks. Hey, we're calling you motherfuckers out. We're being Absolutely. fucking dicks about yeah, yeah. bullshit that someone Absolutely. made up. Okay, no fuck kidding. off. You no know? kidding. Like, go read a f- nonfiction book about something real, mm-hmm. and then jump into the ocean. Yeah, just like the guy says in Sideways to read that something is, that was made up by somebody. It's waste a waste of time. Waste of time. Waste of time. But all right, so we'll go ahead and we can we can. We can wrap it up. Yeah. We can thank our amazing, illustrious, genius guest oh, for blowing our minds yet again. Don't do that. I can personally admit to our audience, I probably got a little buzz on that one glass of wine. I told I, you I, I got a little in me too. I'll go ahead and chug this last okay. bit, yeah, just yeah. like they would in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> chug it. Oh boy, this is so much fun. Yeah. Eric, thank you so much for thank you for having me. I, I really, I really yes. enjoyed doing this with you guys. I this really appreciate so great. it. This thank thank you. you so much. And thank you for continuing to share your knowledge and your expertise. Eric, uh, where can people find your uh, projects online? Well, I, I am one of the few weird people who has embraced LinkedIn. Really? I know so, you got a Twitter. Don't lie. I know, I know you I've, got a Twitter. I've, I've, Everybody hop on LinkedIn and you'll find a Twitter account. 933 yeah. followers on Twitter. <laughs> but... Um, I like LinkedIn because I uh, spend most of my social media time with other professionals. Yeah, it's true. Um, that's I true. do like to engage in the conversation about animation. I've actually now written seven articles about animation on LinkedIn. No way. Awesome. And so I really took it as a place for my version of, of journalism. And it gives me a chance to talk about the subjects I like to talk about, which is usually story and animation. Absolutely. So uh, I have no idea how people actually do it other than search name on can LinkedIn. Pe- can people access your work on LinkedIn? Is it, they just you do have to have, to have like a free membership okay like i haven't paid a dollar to linkedin (laughs) sorry linkedin don't yeah don't don't Uh, this is not an endorsement for linkedin (laughs) that's right exactly so you guys can just search eric calderon on linkedin and they'll be able to find your articles that's correct and if you if you're on instagram and you want to watch me lift weights you can go to captain calderon it's impressive at instagram so you can watch it really is very impressive it's a good it's good fitspiration it is good fitspiration i did hit a 315 back squat the other day not bad damn i'm so pumped to know what that is back squat dang someone swatted your back with 315 pounds that's gotta hurt so good for you so good for you it is it is very very impressive it's just like it's just cool to know that somebody could be so geeky so nerdy so in the world of animation storytelling creativity and then do the things you do physically it's pretty cool oh thank you thank you that may have come off a little weird I don't care I might be a little bit can I do one final plug please this is is one wine glass in so excuse me you got this I am about to write an article uh, on LinkedIn called um, emotion is more important than motion and it's how I like story more than cartoons. I love it. Does that make sense? Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would 100% I would agree with that. As a producer and a writer, I have to not give a shit about how the show looks mm-hmm. or how the show is directed or how mm-hmm. the show is animated. My job is way before that. Is emotion. Yeah, emotion is more important right. than emotion. So look for that, guys. This none of uh, it matters if there's no emotion. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's exactly. right. Sweet you, ju- you just wrote like an 80s pop song. <laughs> yeah, we're going we're gonna to record it after this. <laughs> none of it matters if there's no emotion. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All 
<laughs> saxophone. There's got to be saxophone. Yes. So, guys, we have to plug our next week's episode. is going to be the movie In the Company of Men. Boo. With our <laughs> I haven't seen it. I haven't either, but it's, just the subject matter makes yep. me uncomfortable. Yes. Uh, it's from 1997, and you guys uh, will have to... Unfortunately, you guys are kind of on your own in terms of tracking it down, but it's, but it's out there. might be a little bit tricky to track down. Our guest is going to be the wonderful Maude Garrett on to talk about this movie, In the Company of Men, starring Aaron Eckhart and about misogynists. I don't know. It's going to be... It's, it's going about to really- misogynists. Is he, is he an yes. actual member of the military, your guest? No. Maude is a uh, female uh, uh, film correspondent. So wow. we had to have a woman come on and talk about this fucking movie that we have to watch next Dang. week. So guys, this is on the list of the 500 greatest movies of all time. It's what? 493. 493. Man, I'm going to look at that one. Yeah. In the Company we're of Men. on through. Cannot wait to see it. I'm so, so curious. And again, Huge thanks to our guest, Eric Calderon, yes, for coming on and talking so about Sideways. Much. You can find him online. You can find his stuff on LinkedIn. You and can, you can find his Conan sword in front of our TV. <laughs> yes. Can't have that back. Why, why? Do you want it back? No, no. It's, 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 it's teaching you stuff being here. It really is. It's, great. it's what is best in life. <laughs> okay. Truly. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much. Bye. 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 Bye.